The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. Jesus doesn't want you to just hear his word. He wants it to produce fruit in your life. And so today he speaks to us with words of warning and words of promise when he talks about life in the kingdom of the Son of God and he tells this story of the parable of the sower. A parable, of course, is a tool that Jesus uses to teach us. He takes a story about life in this world and uses it as a comparison to teach us about life in the kingdom of the Son of God. And the parable that we're looking at today is a really important one. Uh, the parable of the sower is actually the first parable in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it's a gateway into all of Jesus' teachings with parables. It's one of only two parables that Jesus gives a, a name or a title. And it's one of only three parables that Jesus gives us the interpretation or the explanation. And so this parable today is a really important tool for you and I to realize and to see how Jesus is going to use these parables to teach us and to grow our faith over the next few weeks. Um, because Jesus doesn't want you just to hear his word. He wants it to produce fruit in your life. But you know, in our reading for this morning, when Jesus began to teach the people in parables, this marked a shift in his teaching style. Something had changed, so much so that even his disciples noticed it. Remember the context. Uh, Jesus was at the height of his popularity. Huge crowds were following him. In fact, today the crowd was so big he had to float out on a lake a little bit and let the crowd assemble along the lake shore so they could hear him preach. But even though he was at the height of his popularity, not everybody in those crowds was really hearing what Jesus was saying. Instead, a lot of people, well, they heard what they wanted to hear and they disregarded the rest. Others were not so kind. The religious leaders were beginning to be combative with Jesus. I mean, in the context right before our reading, we find out Jesus' family wasn't even supporting him. So then Jesus began to teach the people in parables. In parables. He said things like, the kingdom of God is like. And his disciples, they come to him and they see, say, Jesus, why now are you starting to teach in parables. What, what is causing this shift? You know, in, in the words that fall between the two paragraphs that were in our service folder, Jesus says some really interesting things. You know, he reminds his disciples that not everybody is hearing what he's saying. They're hearing what they want to hear. And then he said, so I'm going to use parables to hide some things and to reveal some things. He talked about the people that were out there, and this is what he quoted from Isaiah. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So Jesus tells parables to hide things and to reveal things. We do this all the time. I think we just don't think about it that much. Anytime we make a comparison, we are hiding something and revealing something. So, like, if I spoke to you directly to describe a man and I said, that man is tall, the man has got brown hair, the man has blue eyes, that's speaking directly. But what if I said to you, that man is a snake? At first, that, that's really not revealing anything. It's hiding something because that man literally is not a snake. How is that going to help you 
understand him at all. But a comparison, what it does, is it invites the hearer to seek a deeper meaning. If you seek a deeper meaning behind that comparison, well, really quickly and easily, you'll be like, oh, you mean he's deceptive because serpents have been lying since the Garden of Eden. Oh, you, you mean he's not a good man because snakes are seen as symbols of evil. Oh, you mean he's not somebody you want to hang around with because snakes are found repulsive by many people, right? So this comparison, say, that man is a snake, you use a metaphor like that, we're hiding but inviting the hearer to seek a deeper meaning. So that's exactly what Jesus does with parables. He hides so that he can reveal something. The kingdom of heaven is like, he says, and then what comes out of his mouth next is something that the kingdom of heaven literally is not. Hides. But he invites the hearer to seek a deeper understanding of it. Now, for the unbeliever, or for someone who only wants to hear what they want to hear, well, Jesus' true meaning will remain hidden. But for disciples, like you and me, we say, okay, Lord, what, what is the deeper spiritual truth you're trying to teach us with this parable? What does it mean that you make this comparison to life in this world to life in the kingdom? Okay, so then what does Jesus intend to teach us when he says the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer scattering seed on good soil and bad, on rocky patches and bramble patches. What's the deeper meaning, Jesus? When I was a kid, spring always meant the garden. My dad was a pastor, but we had this huge garden. It was like a full acre at least, maybe a little bit more. And my dad was really, really enjoyed his garden, but he was very particular about his garden. So every spring, we would have to get out there, and we'd measure how the rows distance from each other, like down to the half inch. And you'd have to pound in a stake on one end and on the other and string a string to make sure when we planted the seeds, they were in exactly perfectly straight and parallel lines. And I would make the furrow along the string, and my dad would come back and fix it because I didn't get it quite straight. And we'd plant the seeds, you know, the big seeds like corn and the little seeds like carrots and all this work. But, you know, come June, July, you could stand out there and you could appreciate my dad's preoccupation with getting things just right. And you stand out there and they're just perfect parallel rows of perfectly placed, perfectly spaced plants, weeded just the way it's supposed to be. It was a thing of beauty. The garden, everything was where the gardener intended it to be. Wouldn't you think if you say, God's like a farmer, he'd be more like that than like this? This farmer just seems to be chucking seeds anywhere. Like total disregard for where it might land. I mean, he's throwing seeds onto, onto paths, onto rocky soils, into bramble patches. How is God like that? You know, on the first level, that is something that, that hides. How could God be anything like that? If you were going to pick a God, wouldn't you want him to be a farmer more like my dad than this guy? But Jesus invites us to see a deeper meaning there. What are we meant to learn about our God from this seemingly indiscriminate farmer. Well, this is a picture of the generosity and the grace of God made completely visible in the actions of the kingdom of God is like this. I mean, think about this. Think about a farmer who's throwing seed anywhere. This is Jesus trying to show us what he means when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. 
what he means when he says God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. What he means when he says go and make disciples of all nations. Here's the thing. You never have to wonder if God's grace is meant for that person or this person or for me. Because our God is like a farmer who chucks seeds all over the place. Absolutely no regard for where it's landing. God intends his message to be for every man and woman and child who ever lived. And now God invites us, his church, through its ministry and through its members to do exactly that. To spread this message and never having to wonder for whom did God intend this. God intended it for everyone. Even though we know that just like Jesus, there's going to be times when we're not accepted when we're not understood, maybe when we're not even welcomed. You know, when you look at Jesus' explanation of the parable, you'd be right to think that when it comes to this ministry of sowing the seed of God's word all over the world, we should expect a lot of apparent failures. Right? Four different scenarios, Jesus said. First is like seed cast on a path that the birds come down and snatch it away. This is Jesus reminding us of this really important fact that there is a battle going on in this world, a battle for the lives and souls of every man and woman around you. Satan does not want them to have God's word. Satan doesn't want them to learn anything about Jesus or have a relationship with him. And Jesus is saying, understand that full well. Now, for some people, it could be as simple as the fact that they just They just didn't understand the gospel message. It was snatched away from them. That, though, speaks to you and me. In our mission that Jesus invited us to be part of, in sharing his word with the world, we need to make sure that we speak in such a way as we can be understood by the people around us. Now think what that means. That means that we as Christians, as a church, we can't retreat from this society or this culture, but instead we need to be engaging with it even though this culture's norms are changing, maybe in an uncomfortable way for you and me. We need to be engaged with it so that when we have the opportunity to share God's word, we can speak it in a way that people of this culture and this society can understand. Jesus said some seed was like a seed that fell on rocky ground. These are people that... uh, their faith in Jesus starts out strong and bright, but Jesus' picture is like, it's like rocky ground. They couldn't put down roots. So when the sun comes up, they wither, they die. It's people who believe in Jesus, but, you know, I've seen this so many times. Someone comes to faith in Jesus, and it seems like Satan then moves into work in overtime to see if he can bring trouble or sadness or sorrow or sickness into their life. You know why he does that? It's because he wants to then be able to say to the new Christian, well... If uh, God were real, would he let that happen to you? Or if you really had faith in God like you say you do, would God really let that happen to you? And then we're tempted to step away from God when times are hard rather than stepping towards him or crawling up in our Father's lap. Deep-rooted faith knows that Jesus never promised us a life without problems or struggle, but he did promise us that we will never have to bear those burdens or those struggles alone. 
And there were seed that fell on a patch where some thorny bushes were already starting to grow. Jesus says those thorns choked the fruitfulness of that plant. I mean, this is people who believe in Jesus, but then there's that thing, that thing that keeps them from being fruitful. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's their job, sex, self, worry, whatever it is that chokes that plant and keeps it from being fruitful. Jesus says the path, the rocks, the thorns, none of them produced any fruit at all. But God kept sowing and sowing and sowing, and some seed fell on good soil that produced a clap a hundred, thirty, or sixty times what was sown. Those are people whom the Holy Spirit uses the gospel to put faith in their hearts that leads them to confess Christ as their Savior and lead fruitful, productive Christian lives. Now, here's the thing. Jesus invites you to see the deep meaning behind this story, the, uh, the message hidden behind the metaphor, because right here, He's talking about this. He's talking about you. You are the good soil. What's the message behind that metaphor? Don't think about it. You're here in God's house and you understand God's word. That means you are not the path on which the seed was dropped and the birds grabbed it and took it away. You are here putting down deep roots in Jesus and in his kingdom. That means you are not like the rocky soil where the plants wither and die. You are here putting Jesus first in your life, in your family, in your budget. That means you are not like the thorny patch that chokes the fruitfulness from the plant. You are the good soil. You're here praising God and producing a life of faith. That's what you are. His message for you today is you are the good soil in this parable. So then what is it that he wants you and I to learn? Is today a day that we're meant to go home and try to identify the people in our life who are, oh, there's a seed on the path. Yep, yep, definitely. No, no. Jesus is inviting us to find message behind the, the meaning behind the metaphor for you and me, too. Here's what it is. You're the good soil. So let's live like it. Let's live like what we are. Let's live like what Christ has made us to be. Not like the seed on the path, not like the shallow-rooted plants, not like the choked out by thorns. Jesus invites us to seek a deeper meaning, and he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Let's not act like we're shallow-rooted plants, right? Instead, let's put down deep roots in Christ and his kingdom. What does that mean? Of course that means being here in church. But maybe it means more than that too. What about joining us for Bible study? We've got a Bible study starting in August called The Reason for God. And it's going to have an opportunity for you to ask questions and seek to engage our culture in a way that maybe you've never thought about before. That's putting down deep roots. Put your kids in Sunday school. You know what they're going to find there? Something they're never going to find on the little screens they look at something they're not going to be taught if they're in the public school. They're going to find out that uh, fruitful plants have deep roots. Deep roots. Let's not act like we have a faith that's choked by thorns. What is it that's keeping your faith from 
producing a hundredfold. I mean, what is it that's keeping you from producing the fruit in your marriage of loving your spouse without reservation? Is it a focus on self to the point that you don't make the effort to love and serve the ones whom God has called you to love and serve? He who has ears, let him hear. What is it that keeps us from making God first in our life when it comes to our time or our talents or our treasure? I mean, are we having a really tight hold on our stuff or sometimes does our stuff have a really tight hold on us? He who has ears, let him hear. Are you living a sin that needs to be deeply repented of? Remember, repentance doesn't just mean feeling guilty about it. It means clinging to Christ in faith and amending our sinful life, leaving that sin behind. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus doesn't want you to just hear his word. He wants it to bear fruit in your life. And he speaks these words to us today, words of warning and words of promise, precisely because we are the good soil on whom his word has fallen. Now he calls on us to live like what he's made us. Those are words of promise that can be only given to us by the Son of God who lived in our place, who died in our stead, who rose from the grave and now calls us to live a fruitful life. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. God grant it. Amen.